Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Biblical Escapes and Discussion. Today, on this very, very hot day in Glasgow, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by photographer Michael Beecham. Good, e- good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon. How are you doing, you? Yeah, I'm not bad. And yourself, keeping well? Uh, yeah, it, it is very hot. <laughs> it's re- it's not, it's, I don't think it's as hot as it is in Glasgow, but it's it's still quite hot down here in the Shire. Yeah, we are some, I think we're about 25, 26 degrees or something like that today. So, um, and it's fair to say Glaswegians are not used to that temperatures um, at all. But before we get into talking about your recent book, The Dark Wood, it would be great if you could uh, just, just give everyone a brief introduction to your photographic background and journey, Michael. Yeah, for sure. So um, I... I started, well, I, I think I picked up my first camera maybe about 15, 15, 20 years ago. Um, yep. And I, I think I, I set out with the same intentions as everybody else. I went to uh, photograph those things around me. I was photographing berries on trees and and leaves that were poking out of walls and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and over time, over that progression, it, it it feels like I've kind of narrowed down into the kind of thing that I really like to photograph and how I like to photograph it. And I feel at this point that, um, that I've set my, if you want to call it my style, I suppose yeah. I, I feel yeah. comfortable where I am. So it's, it, it's taken me a while, but I would probably class myself as a black and white landscape photographer. If you had to pigeonhole me somehow. Yes. Well, that that's it. And I, th- I think like everyone, people always start out in a certain way and then yeah, go off in a different direction, different tangent. Some people, as you say, maybe continue down multiple paths and different routes, very much like yourself. Uh, I would I would probably say yeah, much the same as myself. I would pigeonhole mm. myself in black and white landscape photography. And that's just through, I think a lot of it's also through what actually interests you. At the end of the day, when you're doing it purely as a hobby, as opposed to doing it for a a business living effectively i think you've got more flexibility you can really you you have to have more flexibility to pick and shoot what interests and photo and and, and kind of appeals photographically to you yeah i i think so i particularly if there's going to be any degree of longevity about it i think if yep. you if you want to do this and you are intentional in photographing for a long period of time, and we're talking years, um, you, you, I mean, you will, you will spend time figuring out as I did, as we all did, I think what it is that interests you and, and the thing that interests you may change over time. Yeah. But you will eventually get to that point because if you, if you don't find that thing that you love, either you'll burn out really, really quickly yeah. or you'll get really stuck when those seasons of uh and those seasons come for everybody right you you lack motivation or you can't quite seem to find your mojo yep or your pizzazz or, or whatever it is that, and you have to get through that you have to move past that to continue photographing but unless you've found that thing that you are passionate about you're probably going to fall when those seasons come i think yeah, absolutely. And obviously now you've just uh, published your first book, The Dark Wood. So where where did the idea for the project come about and, and what's kind of the story behind it from your perspective that you're trying to share? This one was an interesting one. Be, I, my first project was called The Downs. And yep. actually that ended up not being my first project. It'll probably be uh, my first book. It'll probably be my second book. Um, but that one helped me to establish myself in in projects, long term projects. Yeah, and and I had no intention of photographing woodland and making a project out of it. And I certainly had no intention 
in in putting it into a book or or anything or getting it printed it was just for me i i had gone out to a location that's probably about 10 minutes drive from where i live one saturday morning i love fog anyway and and i was i was walking around the woodland and just shooting and there was goodness there was such a sense of peace yeah and and yeah. calm in in a world that really isn't anymore and and because of my on that i i work as a designer by trade so my life is online yeah and um and work so work is busy and family is busy and and all of the other aspects of my life are very busy and, and they can be demanding and quite noisy and and there's just this I wouldn't necessarily have said it was an epiphany, but there was this moment when I walked into the woodland and it was just still, it was just calm. And it was this moment where I could finally just shut everything out. And and I spent the morning there and I spent, you know, just take, taking photos. They, they were for me. The photos were for me. They weren't for anybody else. Um, but then I went back and, and I carried on going back. And before I knew it, I'd, I'd been going back for a year. And, cool. and, and it became a bit of a therapeutic uh, exercise for me and, and an intentional one to to go to a place where nobody else was and just shoot quietly and and be able to stop and and just set my tripod up and just wait and there was no there was nothing rushing me there was nothing trying to get my attention I could just be very very still in that moment um, and as I started photographing then the idea for for an actual project came out of this yep. so so the idea of if i was to turn it into a book how could i how could i lead the viewer through the journey with me which is kind of what the book is right so you start at the outskirts and you work your way through um but it, but it had taken about two years to get to the point where i felt actually this could be a project that somebody else might want to see whatever format that was in yep yeah, absolutely. I, th I think it's a wonderful project. I've, I've enjoyed seeing the work come together over over the time as well. Um, and yeah, just some of the some of the images, as you say, there's just such an, a tranquility and peacefulness to them. Um, I, I think we all love all photographers love a, a good misty woodland. Let's not let's not cut cut to the chase here. You certainly get far far more mist down south than we do up in Glasgow as well. So I think so. I think for you to have maybe taken a couple of years to get to the point that's got a, been up a, a project. I think it would take about twenty years to get the same amount of uh, same number of conditions up in Scotland. Um, but did you was it all photographed in the single wood? And 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 I suppose at the point that you thought it was going to be a project with maybe I suppose a structure to it were you then entering into the woodland with I suppose specific ideas in mind in terms of right okay this is the next part of the story that I'm trying to tell where is there somewhere within the woodland that actually allows me to capture and demonstrate this and share this this vision um that that's a that's a really good question actually um so so it was to answer the easy question it, it was one woodland so cool. uh, yeah uh, so if anybody if anybody knows the area down here in in Wiltshire, uh, I'm in Dorset, but just across the border in Wiltshire, you've got Stourhead Gardens, which is a national trust property, and, and I've done an entire other project there. But but behind Stourhead, there's an entire woodland in in a small place called Gasper, um, and and it's you you drive through blinking, you would miss it. You right, know, okay. you, it's, it's really really small. Um, but the woodland's big because it's yeah. quite a rural area. So so it meant that it wasn't that difficult to get to. 
Yeah. Um, nobody else really went there, which was great. Uh, it's great for me for a number of reasons. Um, and and the, the structure aspect is, is difficult, really, because because again, it was it was me photographing for myself primarily. Um, probably actually trying to work through some of my inner demons, I guess, um, through through the projects phot- photographically. Um, but it what. It wasn't really until until towards the end of the project that I recognised actually there was a there was a structure here, um, and what I've generally tended to do is is I will I will put myself into into a location, and just shoot and I, and I'll just shoot and shoot and shoot, and then when I get maybe. I don't know, maybe a month, two months, maybe even longer, like a year's worth of shooting. And I'll go back over the images, and particularly the ones that I've favorited. And I start to see patterns and I start to see, yep. oh, maybe there is a structure here. So I've taken quite a few photos of the outskirts or on the road leading into the woodland or yep. um, I, I recognize that on a particular day, I was feeling quite low. And, and a lot of my images there were from the, the center of the woodland where it's quite dark and that's quite reflective of how I was feeling. Um, but then when you start to work your way through a, a larger body of work, you can then just start to see where maybe structure comes in and where maybe some of these patterns start to play. So so in the book, you you would notice that there, there's a couple of images, I think, at the beginning that are roads and a yes. couple at the end, which are roads. So yeah. you're leading and leading out. And, and that was quite reflective. I, I think my mental and emotional state at the time of shooting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I like I like the, the text, how you introduced it as well in terms of, yeah, starting it out starts leading darker and deeper in. And as you, as you say, the, the images in the middle of it can be quite uh, far, far darker as well. Uh, and, and just a different sense of atmosphere and mood as they are, as you begin to like reemerge towards the towards the end when you can see still just that bit of light burning through. Uh, through the misty conditions as well yeah and, and I, th- I think maybe on a subconscious level it, it was probably reflective of kind of how I how I was viewing my own personal life at the time of shooting yeah you know I I, I would probably just dis- despite the book and despite the name of it I, I think I'm I think I would class myself as an optimist um, and so I so I always um, I always will veer towards the side of hope rather than anything else and yet even in that there's there's a there's an understanding that that life is just tough at times life can be really really difficult and you do have those moments where things are darker and yet you will come out the other side you know you that there will or the the dark won't always remain this is very deep and philosophical right sorry um but but this is um things won't always be dark you will get to the other side and i think i think the leading out of the the depth of the woodlands out back into the light in the outskirts was probably a little bit reflective of how i was feeling at the time and maybe on a subconscious level what it is that I was trying to say through the work although no way was I thinking that at the time I was just going and shooting yeah yeah absolutely I I think as you see it's it's when you begin to look back through the work that you maybe begin to see the patterns emerge and and see these that 
or sets within the whole bigger body of work that actually now begin to tell you the story that actually subliminally or subconsciously you're already aware of in terms of the the, the journey deep and then and then coming back out to the light again. Um, but I, I really like the sequence. I think I think the sequence works well. How how did you tackle the sequence? Because I'm sure that you you probably had quite a few images to choose from. And and what sort of approach did you take? Was it all digital? Did you print them out and and kind of play around with what maybe worked best? Um, I I hate the editing process. <laughs> I hate the sequencing and taking images and and culling them down. Um, when when I was actually when I was doing the Downs project, I had I the entire project was about seven and a half thousand images, Ooh. and I and I knew that had to go into an exhibition, so I had twenty images. So so that was almost um, that that was just going straight into the furnace when it came to sequencing images, and I there, there was no way that I could do that on my own. Having done that, and and actually I did that with a couple of guys, um, a guy called David Carroll. Uh, people will know David Carroll. He helped me um, sequence that one, and also Brian Sokolowski. Yeah, uh, he he helped me as well. So they so so what I learned from from their experience really helped me with this one. Yeah, there was no way as many images. I, I think I probably took about fifteen hundred images. <clears throat> um, I I didn't I didn't print them just because I'm used to seeing things on a screen. Yes. Yeah, that's just that's just my life. That's the way my brain works. Um, but I was I I'd had all of the all of the images that I knew I wanted to put into a book when I got to that point. I, I put them in there and then I started moving them around and I'd bring them into capture one that I use and start to move them around and um and then further when I when I thought that I had a fairly cohesive narrative for the book, I then brought them into Affinity Publisher to create them. Yep. And and then I would I would put them in place. And then just leave it. And I think this is possibly one of the reasons why it took so long. Apart from the fact that I'm quite lazy, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but, um, I, I just I put them into Affinity Publisher and just left them. And I would come back to them and, and think, well, actually, that doesn't work now. I need to yeah. move. Um, so so a, a degree of trial and error, I, I think. I did learn some stuff from from the Downs Project. So, so it wasn't so much trial and error as it could have been. But it's still, it's not my strong suit. It, editing and sequencing isn't my strong suit, really. And, and um, this is there are reasons why I take my car to a mechanics is because they know what they're doing with it, and I, and I wish that I could take my images and give them to somebody who really does know what they do with sequencing. Um, but I took a decent stab. But once I had in my head, I think actually this is going to be the sequence. This is going to be the route that helped to inform how the images more or less how the images got laid out I, I knew we were starting from the outskirts and moving deeper and yeah. deeper and image by image you were losing more and more light as you got to the center and then back out um but i really i don't enjoy <laughs> i don't enjoy that part of the process whatsoever i probably ought to learn to embrace it but yeah i'm too old at this point yeah, I, th I think it's one of these things. I think it's always challenging. Um, some people, yeah, some people thrive on it. They find it uh, really quite refreshing to look at their work. But yeah, for other people, it, as you say, maybe just doesn't click into place or it's, it's not what's naturally the fun element of it, uh, actually. But by the time you get to having to sequence your work, the enjoyable part for some people has already been taken up. But as you say, at least, at least when you're coming at it with kind of like the story already in mind, you're not starting from scratch because you can immediately say, right, okay, well, some of the lighter ones are going to be front and back end of it. The darker ones are clearly going to be in the middle. And then you maybe need something just to separate the flow 
through it and and it gives you a starting point and i like that you've gone for uh, images on both sides i noticed that they are all i think pretty much the same ratio which is quite uh which is quite unusual um certainly for landscape i i think maybe quite often find portrait or or square obviously square images but but yeah it's 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 been nicely done in terms of just everything's kind of like complementary on each side and a lot of it's tonally adjusted as well in terms tonally or tonally selected in terms of mental light which i think can be quite challenging black and white when you look at a whole set of images and yeah they're all black and white but they can vary very very much from 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 across the tones yeah well i i mean there's uh, I, I know the format of, of the podcast, so I know that you're going to ask about books later on. Uh, that I'm not going to mention it now. I don't want to spoil the surprise we're going to say. Um, that there is there is one book that that has been my passion. I, I enjoy it so so much. And and I was I was a little bit influenced by that book. Um but also I this is I'm gonna upset so many book publishers. I, I can't even believe I'm gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I, I think sometimes you don't get value for money with images and, and particularly and I understand the whole idea of um you know maybe maybe we wanna introduce a little bit of breathing space here between the last image and the next one. Um and, and maybe in future books, maybe I'll adopt the same thing, but I but I feel like if I'm gonna do a book, I want somebody to have value for money, even though they don't cost that much. So there was that aspect. So I figured if I just fill up all of the pages edge to edge, then you do get value for money. Yeah. And that's 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 the ratio that I shoot anyway. But also um I I wanted the book, I I wanted the book to be an immersive experience. Like you step into the woodland and it surrounds yeah. you, it's all around you. And I and I and I did toy with um, changing the ratio of some of the images and actually bringing some other images which were different ratios that I tried, like portrait orientation. <clears throat> yep. And, and it just it felt like every time I got to that page, it took me out of the moment. Yeah. And and I and I felt like I wanted I wanted the I wanted the viewer to kind of follow me into the woods, which which is a little bit. Um, a little bit intimidating at times, particularly as you go a bit dark. It's, it can be a little bit oppressive and and a little bit claustrophobic. Uh, and and I felt that if 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 we went um, to the edge of of every page with the image, that would help somehow to to lock in that sense of immersion and, and claustrophobia to a degree. Um, which I still feel when I, I mean, obviously you take your images and you can still remember how you were feeling when you took them. Yeah, I can, I can remember every image. I can remember every image and how I was feeling about that. Um, and so there is for me still a slight sense of claustrophobia, which means that I think I personally, I think it was the right move to go edge to edge on, on every page and leave out all of the white space. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think, I think it works incredibly well, and it demonstrates that, uh, and I, I, think I say this many times to people. It's like it, a book's got to be designed, designed for the subject matter, and what works for one book doesn't work for another book. As you say, if all of a sudden, if you, when you're going through the darkness, particularly the darker stuff, all of a sudden, if you, if you jot something that's a portrait format, you immediately lose the, the focus and the, the, the attention drawn to, to that image, and the impact just goes because their eyes can begin to wander. You you have to you would have to retain their focus so much on the center of that image uh, to, mm. to to have the same impact. And I think I think it works. Yeah, I think it works really nicely. I, I just think the atmosphere of, of the images. I love the I love the combination of shots where you're maybe slightly more focused in um, or zoomed further in, and then you've got maybe the wider shots where you're 
you're trying to really feel the depth of the woodlands as well. Yeah, I mean, they pr- they probably reflect the different states of how I was feeling when I was shooting it. You know, yeah. sometimes even if you're in the midst of the midst of a woodland, you do walk into these wide open vistas, and it and it does feel a little bit like some breathing space. You know? Yeah, I mean, without being overly dramatic, I suppose. Um, sometimes when you get right into the centre of a woodland, it is dark and you don't hear anything but creaking trees, right? Even even the sounds of the birds has deadened down. And so it almost kind of has that horror movie feel about it where you start off at the beginning of the movie and you're introduced to the characters, but you know the further into the movie you get, the, the more tense it's going to get. And it, and it kind of feels like that a little bit. And when you get into the centre of the woodland, it, it knocks out all of the light, it knocks out all of the sound, everything becomes a little deader. Um, and, and even even things like creaking of the trees or, or, or like twigs snapping underneath your foot is amplified that all adds to that whole feeling of, yeah, actually let's move back out towards, <laughs> yeah. the, towards the outskirts of the woodland. I mean, it's like if you watch too many horror movies, then you'd probably be aware that there's, there's some kind of mad axeman hiding behind a tree that's probably going to jump out at any given moment. But uh, yeah, so uh, I think that was the right decision for me to kind of go edge to edge on on the pages. Yeah, absolutely. And so once you'd done your sequencing, did you did you run it past a couple of friends, take some input or feedback, or or were you, or were you kind of comfortable with it with it yourself? It's always interesting just to see how people maybe take input from others as well. Yeah, no, that's that's another really good question, actually. Um, I I did when I when I finished it, I I did send the PDF PDF to a few people. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very blessed to have people like Paul Sanders as good friends. Um, so again, Brian, Brian Sokolowski, um, he, he's a good mate. So I sent it off to him. I sent it off to Paul Sanders and a couple of other guys. Uh, there's, a, there's a really good guy close to me called Steve Hawkins. Uh, he's, he's, he's become a really good mate actually over the years and we've exhibited work together. Um, so they all had that they, they all had and also John Gibbs John Gibbs had yep. he said just I'm just name dropping a few people why not into the call um but but all these people I were kind of classes mates they all had PDFs um and and they were able to kind of speak into um what they thought of the sequencing and and the overall kind of tonal uh, yep. tonal level of the images um and by by and large they, they were pretty positive about it they had some uh they had some slight slight suggestions of of changing things which, which i looked at um but yeah w- w- was i was i satisfied that's a <laughs> that's a completely different question i'm rarely satisfied i'm rarely sat- i'm rarely satisfied actually because i i i, I suffer maybe this is part, part of what goes into the making of something like dark wood is i i i constantly doubt myself constantly I, I i have imposter syndrome in bucket loads and and i'm and i'm constantly thinking that i'm not very good and and trying sometimes trying overly desperately to seek the approval of the other photographers that i really look up to 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 hear them say actually no you're doing all right um yeah. because i'm ne- i'm never satisfied and i and i never think that the work is good enough i'm sure everybody kind of feels that way yeah. to a degree um but it's i mean that's that's played a really big part in my photographic journey actually is, is that constant. I was talking to somebody the other day about it and, and I'd never thought about it before, but it was like emotional tinnitus. All it's right, like yeah, this, okay. it's like this, this low level noise that is constantly always there. 
Um, but it's but it's all it's all imposter syndrome. But it's a constant hum of that you actually you're not very good really, and people are just being polite. E- even even coming onto coming onto bibliotheques, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, you know, it's another book. So Ewan's just just wants to kind of get another podcast. He doesn't really, you know, he's really not that, that interested. And all of that, which I know logically is just rubbish, but on an emotional level, it is always it hums underneath the surface. Yeah. And so part of that is, I think, at play for why I created the book is is probably a me trying to process all of this stuff that goes on underneath the surface a lot of the time. Good. And obviously, now having done done a book, do you think uh, you think you've got future books for future projects and other projects? Obviously, it's titled Zero One forward slash The Dark Wood. That yeah. would uh, that would immediately suggest that there's a zero two and zero three, yeah. zero four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I don't know whether I've got ten of me to be to be fair. Um I, I never, never say never. Never say never. Um there's definitely four. Uh, and I'm just thinking about the projects that I've done in the past. So yeah, yeah. So the downs will be the next one. Um and then I, I did a project last year, which was just really nice. Actually, it was just there's a there's a patch of ground at the back of my house that, that the council never touches, like it just gets left. And so all of the all of the kind of the wild grass just grows. And so I went out went out and photographed it over the entire summer and created a body of work, which I'm probably just going to call grass. Uh, yeah. And it's and some of those images came out. Um and then the my lockdown project, everybody did a lock, lockdown project, didn't they? Because they couldn't go anywhere. Um, but I did a, a project called The Sanity and the Stasis, um, which I printed one copy off quite a long time ago just for myself. And I didn't know anything about printing books. I've learned a lot on this one. So I'll probably redo that. Um, but the whole point of this book like this is I want, again, it goes back to the point I'm inherently lazy as a person. I, I didn't want the faff of having to redesign books every time. So so every book is going to be in this format. So so it's it's going to have the same, it's not going to have the same cover, but it's going to have the same bar at the front. It, it will have a different name, O2, the yep. Downs. Um, but more or less the uh, the format on the inside is going to be same, probably the same number of pages, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that see that's that's an interesting one because um, I would have always said I I like I like maintaining the same format, but I don't always think the number of pages needs to be the same because I think it all depends on the size of project. Looking at just uh, your your sanity project, I must say I look forward to seeing how you approach the varying ratios of images there because they are. They are yeah. far more. They are far more very, very, varying, um, shall we say? Um, but I think that's all part of the challenge. I all think that's part of the part of the appeal in terms of how, in terms of how you take the work and 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 use it for for future projects. And you'll, I think, everyone learns from one project to another to another in terms of just ways you can just see things differently. And you begin as you, whilst you maybe don't enjoy sequencing, I suspect you'll certainly find it a different experience doing it for the second, third and fourth times as it is doing it for the first or second times when you maybe begin, your your eye maybe begins to get in in terms of what feels more of a natural flow, what maybe works a bit better and um, and, and, and those sorts of things as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, it's I, I've always been one of these people that because I don't know how to do it, I want to learn how to do it. Even if I never do it again, I almost... Yeah. Maybe it's a control issue thing, but I want to understand how I can reproduce that thing that I have in my head 
Uh, and I think sequencing is a part of that. I've, I've never, like I said, I've never really enjoyed it, but I, w- I want to be strong at it so that I know I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, absolutely. The, the, the Sanity Project uh, was all was all kinds of ratios and sizes yeah. and orientations. And that, that's going to need that's going to need some thought. Um, that one actually um, that's been that's been into an exhibition. That was my first solo exhibition. Um, so that's fine because they're all hung on the wall, spaced out. And yeah. so it is really sequenced to a degree. And then how you translate that into a book is probably going to be another effort, I think. Um, it is, it not is, one that but, I'm looking for. Yeah, but at the same time, you've got a design background perspective as well. So there's something that's, there's there's a connection there. But yeah, I, I think you'll, you'll quickly find the way in terms of what works once you begin to look at the work. As you say, it's been sequenced initially and it's then just adapting it to to the, the constraints of working within a book and you might find that something slightly different works. Um, I know certainly when you came to printing the book, uh, The Darkwood, you, you kind of did a, a, a test copy and then for the final one, you went with a slightly thicker a, a slightly thicker paper. Pleased with the outcome, I, I've, you, you kindly uh, sent me a copy of the first one and it's really nice because you can really feel just the, 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 the heavier weight in the paper as well, just that, that slight thickness as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the first, I mean, that's, I suppose, that's why we call it a test print, right? Is that, I yeah. mean, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about printing books. I didn't know um, what the weights of the paper would be, so I, I went with, um, I went with the recommendation um, yep. through. I, I did it through uh, through a website. Did it through Mixam, yep. if I'm allowed to. Yeah, absolutely. Know. Yeah. Um, and and their recommendations. I went with their recommendations, thinking, well, they know better than I do. Um, had had the copy come through. And you you initially met with that kind of oh I've got my I've got my book I've got my book this is really really exciting, and it's a little bit like when you've put your images into into your your um, design software you then go away and come back with fresh eyes, and I came back to I was like it is nice but it wasn't it wasn't what I imagined it would be, and then I had to sit and think about well what is it that isn't right yeah. Um, for for me, and this this is why I use uh, for, when, when I'm printing images for uh, for frames, um, I always use uh, photo rag paper because I really like the texture, yeah. and I always feel that texture is is a really good accompaniment to the kind of images that I make. So it's a much more immersive experience. Absolutely, um, and that's kind of what I had in my head for this book, and was thinking about texture, thinking about things like recycled or um or untreated paper or natural paper and um make some were very good and they said actually they really won't work for a number of reasons in terms of black and white and how you lose depth and contrast do this so i went with that test print and then when i sat down and thought about it, i thought actually what it is it's the weight yeah uh, everything feels a bit floppy and everything feels a little bit cheap um not that i was making a coffee table but by any stretch of yeah. imagination but i wanted i wanted it to feel like you, you bought something that had a value to it, yep. not something you just knock out. So, having done that test, print, I then went back and thought, right, um, it needs to be thicker. And so, I just, I changed, I, I changed the weights of both the cover and the paper inside. Yeah, um, and just went off and ordered fifty copies. And when they arrived, I'm like, this is exactly, exactly what I was, what I was hoping. Outside, I didn't get the texture, but you know, you have to compromise. But aside from that, the, the contrast, the depth of the images, uh, the crispness, um, and the weight, every everything everything was almost spot on for me. So I was really pleased with that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always compromises in in in, in making books because you, you're never going to get a perfect balance. I think unless you're doing it at such scale with unlimited funds and stuff like that, which uh, let's face facts, none of us really are. Um, but at the same time, there's always and it's finding the balance between what works between between all the different aspects and all the different factors that are important to you as a photographer because it's your work at the end of the day and you don't want to be sending off your work if it's not how you actually envisage people sitting down no. and, and experiencing it and immersing themselves in in the story that you're sharing yeah and, and i think it goes back to that whole idea of you know you using textured paper for the kind of images i make is because I it want I wanted it to be an immersive experience. Yeah, it's the it's the same thing with the book. I I didn't I I I'm a little bit picky. I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to details because that's part of my day job. Yeah. Um. But I but I wanted I wanted people to buy it and and not this goes this goes back to the imposter syndrome thing again, right? It's like I didn't want people to spend out the money on the book and go, oh, is this what it was? Sure. <laughs> I want them to sit down and go, yeah, this was worth the money. Th- yeah. This was worth the cost. And and I want to sit down with a cup of coffee for, for 10, 15 minutes and just enjoy it. I want it. I want people to enjoy my work because I don't just shoot for me. I primarily do, but I don't just shoot for me. I shoot for the people to enjoy. Yeah. And I hated the idea that somebody would, would you know, we, we're in a cost of living crisis and buying books is so not important. But so so the fact that people would spend their money on on something that I made means an awful lot, yeah. and so I didn't yeah. want them to sit down and go, well, I said, yeah, I suppose it was worth twelve pound fifty or whatever it was. Yeah. I want them to go, yeah, I got I got a good quality here and yeah. and, and actually enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. talking about uh, books that you like to sit down and enjoy, uh, looking forward to hearing your uh, your selection of four or five of your uh, favorite photo books from your own bookshelf, Michael. Yeah. Okay. So um, these are all a bit different. So, so I referenced there was one book in particular. I'm going to start with that one um, that really influenced me, and it's and it's a guy called Ken Schles, and it is a book called Night Walk. All right. And it is um, it's all it, it was all shot on film, and it and Ken had photographed the underground nightclub scene in New York in the 80s. Um, and it's all black and white and it's all it's all immersive and it is just a phenomenally good book phenomenally good book um there are there are a few risque pictures in there you know fyi heads up um but it is it i mean he he prints i don't even know how he prints it but every every page is immersive it's edge to edge and it just it documents a time of life that that has been and gone uh, and it won't be the same again. And he was around. He he's brought out two books. I can't remember what the other book. I never remember what the other book is called. Uh, but Nightwalk is just brilliant. And that was probably the one that influenced me the most. Um, what else have we got? We've got the first book I ever bought was uh, Jay Maisel. And he oh, yeah. bought out a book called Light Gesture Colour. Or Light Gesture and Colour. And he, um, I, I genuinely love this book. And the reason why I love it is because he was the first photographer I came across um, that almost, almost without saying it, had given me permission to shoot anything, and and for it to be for it to be okay. I when I first started shooting, when I when I first started getting into photography in a in a big way, 
I, I was shooting street photography. Um, and so in my head, I'm thinking, so I am a street photographer. So all I should be shooting is street photography. And that's it. And that will probably be what I'm known for if I'm known at all. And then I came across Jay Mazel and uh, his work over, over decades, he shot everything from bus wheels to telegraph poles in the evening sun um, and everything in between, like the, the texture on his wall. And every image is beautiful, like yeah. objectively beautiful. Um, but it, but I read this book. I've got two of his books. I read this book and I thought, actually, I can shoot anything and, and be okay. I don't have to call myself a street photographer or a landscape photographer. I can shoot anything and that'd be a really nice, compelling image. Um, so I love that one. Um, yeah, I'm the third one, I've got them piled up here. The third one is, uh, so you're Glaswegian, so you know Zeno. Zeno yeah. Watson. And yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. So he he put me onto this book called Return to Mexico by Abbas. All right. And the reason the reason why I bought this is because it was 50p on Amazon. Brilliant for us, a bargain. A- absolute bargain. And um it is just it is gorgeous. It's um yeah, so he 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 goes back to Mexico and photos uh, the people there, and, and every image is compelling. Like the composition, the light, everything, everything in a black and white photo that has kind of helped me to learn what it is to take a half decent black and white photo. I learned from that. So that's Return to Mexico from Abbas. Um, I've got two more. Be a pain. There's a guy, Ewan, there's a guy called Christopher Thomas. And he did this book called, I've just come back from Venice. And he did this book called Venice in Solitudes. Oh, which right. is is so so he's a wet plate photographer and he he goes and moves into locations and then just photographs it but he does it all on, he does it all on wet plate Jewish, and it's Jewish. just it's stunning is that so, but he's done quite a few now he's done he's done one in venice one in los angeles one in paris and they're, they're all wet plate they're all about the same size books which are big books but they're not that expensive um and I, I just love, I love his moody, atmospheric black and white images that he's done uh, of of these places that I've been to. But okay. I, he's obviously because he's wet plating it. Um, everything's long exposure, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like everything's like really under pressure. So you get these kind of really dreamy, ethereal, atmospheric images of places where um, normally you would see hordes of people, and yeah. they're empty and silent and dead. Fantastic. And then the only other one, yeah, the only other one. Um, and my my daughter bought me this last year for Father's Day. It's called Monotowns. Oh, um, photography is Alexander Veryovkin. I think that's how you pronounce his name, Veryovkin. Um, mono Monotown. They, they're, they're all images from these these places called Monotowns in post-industrial Russia. Oh, quality! And what so what they do is they they have an industry. Um, or they find a resource and they build factories and then they build these entire towns around the industry and then when the industry d- dies people just people just vacate the area but leave all of the buildings there that and it's fantastic it's uh, it's so good my 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 daughter knows me so well when it comes to photography and she um, she picked this up and she said I, I i knew you would like it and i'm like i mean even the even the cover yeah. is beautiful yeah. It's like you you could just it's one of those books where you could just sit 
and enjoy it and just yeah. drink, you, you can you just drink in every image it remind there's a book now oh there's a book that i bought i'm trying to remember the name of it but it reminds me of that quite a bit oh it'll come to me come to me but it was it was all set in winter and it, it remind the cover of it just reminded me very much of that sort of thing it'll come yeah. to me at some point but yeah that looks really nice really quite interesting of just the big industrial locations yeah. that are yeah i mean and, and they're, they're so eerie <laughs> they're so eerie because most of them are abandoned now like the, the people just left yeah yeah yeah, they're there for a part. There, people move in for a purpose, and once that purpose evaporates, they they go on somewhere else because there's nothing else to keep them in those locations. No, oh, and actually, I mean, that's in a kind of a weird way. That's a metaphor for photography, right? It's like you, yeah. you, you know, particularly if you're doing long term projects, you'll go into a place because because it provides that thing that you need, or that thing that you want, or that thing that will scratch the itch. And you start the every project I've done starts this way. You you get all of the low hanging fruit. Like all of the easy shots you can do really quickly. And then you have to start digging and you have to really work to find an image. And then eventually you just exhaust it and you move yeah. out. You, you, you're done with it. And I remember uh, I was having a chat with uh, a guy called Rami Narada. And and he, I, I was talking to him about the Downs project and how I could legitimately, I could keep shooting. How how do I know when enough is enough? Yeah. And he yeah. just he just said, Mike, you'll know when the project's finished with you. And yeah. and he was absolutely right. You know, th there's a moment you think, this is it. I, yeah. I don't need to do anymore now. I've done, I've, I've done what I'm what I set out to do. Yeah. Um, and I can just move on a little bit like these monotones. I can move out now because it served its purpose and I want to go somewhere else now. Yeah. Excellent. Well, look, a fantastic selection of books. I wouldn't have guessed any of those. I don't have any of those. I recognize a couple of names and there'll be a couple that I'll probably buy as a result of uh, those suggestions, which is always a positive thing and always a good thing. But if nothing else, it, it gives additional names, additional photographers and artists for people to explore. Um, and other people may well be as interested in them as, as you are. And for, for me, that's always part of the, the enjoyable part of Bibliescapes is trying to yeah, just share, promote other people's names, new names that you've never come across that actually you have a can you can find a connection with or you enjoy their work and you can support it as well. Yeah, for sure. And and actually almost all of these I, I've discovered from other people. Apart from the monotowns, I've discovered these from other people. So that's it yeah. entirely the Absolutely. On that note, Michael, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for your time today to chat about your your work and your book. It's been an, an absolute pleasure. Lovely to catch up with you. Um, and thank you for, for sharing me with some of your time. Yeah, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate it. Cheers.